there's all kinds of stuff that we don't know about someone else's life. So there's that idea to accept the idea that I don't know what I don't know. I'm more willing to to fail at something now than I was before um, because what what do I have to lose, right? That last statement is going to have even more impact when you hear what Richard Kriz has already lost. I'm Ken Cooper, and this is Around River City. It's a podcast about the people that make this such a cool place to live. This time around, I'm talking with Richard Chris. And I think instead of laying a bunch of spoilers on you, uh, why don't we just let Richard's story unfold? So stay with us and enjoy the conversation. I'll be right back with Richard Chris. This is Around River City. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. I'm talking with Richard Kriz, who's, well, you know what? Why don't we just dive right into the conversation, head first, right in the middle of the story. Since I was put into a wheelchair um, back in, two, uh, in January 2018, we started noticing that we didn't know how to engage in our city. Um, like, so if we were going to go out to eat, how many places did we have to call uh, first? Okay. And what sidewalks were not going to be available to us because of construction and all these things. And it kind of turned myself, who is a huge extrovert, into a, it's just too much work. Let's just not do it. Um, so it started pulling me out of the city a little bit. And, and we were going around the city one day and we said, you know, there should be something easier than this because if we're going out to eat in a manual wheelchair, which I do not have, but I did have at one time, um, we could go to some restaurants because the tables were low, but you couldn't go to restaurants that had high-top tables because you were sitting under the table. Well, so we learned that by being invited to a graduation party at a bar that only had high-top tables. Everyone was sitting up high, and my head was below the table, basically. And then I got put into my power wheelchair, and we realized that I couldn't sit underneath the regular tables because of my chair wouldn't go low enough. And so this became this, what size are your tables? Do you have parking? Do you have, uh, you know, is it handicap accessible? And they'd say yes. And Renee would say, well, can you take a photo of your entrance? And there was a six-inch step. Well, that might be accessible for some manual wheelchairs, but it's certainly not accessible for a power wheelchair because my chair is 400 pounds, and it just doesn't go over a six-inch step breezy. Um, so we started finding all these complications um, even the idea if we were just downtown shopping, where's there an accessible bathroom? You know, as we're out there, where we have to plan so much ahead of advance that we decided that we were going to create a roadmap to our city on accessibility um, and how and how do people that when they come home, sorry, my dog, but when they come <laughs> home from uh, say um, even serving a tour and they've they've come home in a wheelchair, just. Cooper, please no. Um, so they come home in a the wheelchair. The dog is named Cooper? Our dog is named Cooper. Well, I think guests. he should get to bark as much as he wants then. <laughs> he, he thinks so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we started noticing that anyone that's coming home for the very first time today in a wheelchair, whether it's from war or from a stroke or, um, you know, a diagnosis like I had, whatever, that this city is accessible, it's just that no one knows how to access it and, and where they can access it, what half of the city can they use and what half can't they use. And, and so it came to this idea that we wanted to build a roadmap with, with 
other people that are sharing similar struggles, giving disability reviews on restaurants, not not food reviews, but if you're looking for a bathroom and you're a manual wheelchair um, and you want to have pizza here and you want to be downtown, here are your restaurants that will work for you. If you're in a power wheelchair and you want to go downtown and you want to have pasta, these are the restaurants that work for you. And here are the pathways around our city to the more accessible sidewalks. And so it's that idea, how do we remove barriers and how do we have people that are living these same, these same days help remove those barriers for others and the next person that mm. develops these barriers. Yeah. So that's one of them. We're also working on education pathways with how do we build in disability and accessibility into curriculum with UWL and, and WWTC and, and how do they look at their curriculum and say, hey, we can, bring, we can bring accessibility into the idea of city planning and here's how it can look. Mm. Well, it sure sounds like you have just gone ahead and made this situation of yours a positive thing? Uh, you know, I think I, you know, I was diagnosed 11 years ago with lupus, and at first I struggled with it quite a bit mentally and, and the loss of life and what I thought was my losses. And eventually I learned that I'm paying too much attention to what I can't do and not enough attention to what I can do. Um, and I should be more grateful for what I can do and, and pay attention to that and put my focus there and and this is one of those things that I realize that despite my struggles, how, how easy my life is at some days and, and how much harder this must be for other people and how can Renee and I take our own experiences and maybe remove some of those, those extra weights off somebody else who's got a few more to start with so that there's not even more being stacked on top of them as they walk through their path. So there you have it. A man in a wheelchair trying to make something good in the world with his wife as caregiver and supporter. But, of course, with all good stories, there's more. One of the things that drew me to Richard's story is what he was doing before he was diagnosed with lupus and became wheelchair-bound. For me, honestly, it's hard to wrap my head around how he has come to a positive place. You'll see why when we come back on Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper, and I hope you're enjoying the conversation. By the way, you can check out more episodes of the podcast at AroundRiverCity.com. And if you subscribe, which is free, by the way, just subscribe to the podcast. We'll let you know whenever there's a new episode. So let's get back to the conversation with Richard Kriz. So tell me a little bit about who you, uh, I don't want to say who you were, because I I know you're the same person, but tell me a little bit about your life before your wheelchair came into your life. So this was prior to 2018, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, most of my life I've been fairly outdoors. Um, Growing up, uh, we boated and skied and, 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 you know, intertubed and kneeboarded and everything on the river every weekend. And and, uh, so I really uh, enjoyed that. I I grew up a competitive swimmer in high school. Um, As I got more into adult years, I... um, I was a, a, an ultra runner, so I ran distances up to 100 miles in, in wow. distance, uh, 24-hour races. Okay. So I was pretty active. I yeah. hiked and, and was... Can, can I just... Can we, yeah. can we uh, digress for just a second? <laughs> yeah. I just want to know why you would do those things. <laughs> you know, I think it comes down to why I do anything. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge to myself and, and learning my own... Um, learning my own barriers and asking myself questions and seeing if I can problem solve my way through things. 
and uh, eventually you get to a point where you say you got to go further, right? It's it's like anything. If you're going to play guitar, at some point you wanna you wanna nail the Star Spangled Banner, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so it's that idea that you problem solve and, and move through things, and and that's something that I've always needed is that uh, that ability to learn and. and move through different barriers and different obstacles. So I certainly never started off with the idea that I would run that distance. It was never a thought. But eventually I got to a distance and I said, hey, I could do that. I wonder if I could do the next distance. And what, is, what does it take to do that? You know, what does it take in self-care and, and self-thought and mental management and, you know, controlling your headspace? And what are all those tools that, that you can learn and bring together um, to get yourself from A to B? And, you know, B just keeps getting 10, 15, 20 miles further out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm really having a hard time wrapping my head around uh, people that do that, although I know several people personally that uh, have done things like that. It's just, yeah. uh, it's crazy. Yeah, but, it, you know, I, it, it is crazy, but it's, it's, it's no different than anyone else's hobbies, right? I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a hobby, it, you know. I mean, for some, it's their mental wellness, right, mm-hmm. uh, to, to be able to get out there and clear their headspace. For me, it was that... Uh, personal challenge of where is my limit and what does it look like and why is it my limit? Sure. Can I change something about that? Um, and I think that has, well, it that sounds like you're well. doing this. It sounds like you're doing the same thing now. I, you know, I, I am, I, 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 um, so 2018 when I was able to also not be able to move my legs very well, um, I found myself into a series of infusions at the, one of the local, uh, infusion centers, um, for chemotherapy and, and other infusions. It's not just chemotherapy. But I found myself there and, and no longer working. And I was spending, um, I spent almost two and a half years in infusions. Um, I was going four days a week, every other week, for six hours a day. And uh, I found myself, like, sitting around and, and realizing that I'm, I've pulled myself out of, out of processes that I've enjoyed because i have spending too much time just in my own headspace going, this sucks. Um, and so I, you know, I started saying, hey, I need to learn. I need to, I need to re-engage myself in, in life and, and start asking myself questions. And, and quite honestly, I was afforded that opportunity to sit there and say, what can I do, right? Rather than trying to just get through every day in the grind, I realized that I've been given an opportunity that maybe many would like to have. And again, it's, it's a, you can look at it as, infusions are long, hard days, but you can also look at them as they're excellent opportunities. And I chose to look at them as excellent opportunities. And that mindset has definitely moved in to access our city as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it start, start looking at uh, the, the barriers as you go out and, and say, okay, those are barriers, but where are, the, where are the good parts of the city? And how do we let others know about this so they don't have to make an hour of phone calls before they go out? To have the idea and to wonder, well, how do I find this out? And then to organize it yourself. What was that process like? I mean, starting to realize that this needed to be done, and I guess I'm going to be the one to do it. You know, I, I, I think it comes down to, again, that, that idea that I know, I, I have lots of friends that don't quite understand this, but I know that at the end of the day, it's relatively easy to be me. And because of some of the, the things that I grew up with, I grew up never having um, worry of shelter, never grew up with food insecurity and, and loving, you know, I grew up with all those things. And I realized that this stuff is very hard for me and it's got to be much harder for others. And I've always kind of wanted to make sure that 
my struggles are struggles. How do I how do I use my problem solving skills and learning to make sure that they're lesser struggles for the next person? And so it's that that idea that know that the blessings you have and 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 know that this phone call to go out is much harder for someone than than the two of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, how can we make it easier? We can engage more people into our city and, and start showing the, the needs um, for those with other accessibility issues, whether it's sight um, or hearing, um, sensory disabilities. Um, how, do we, how, do we, how do we do things that engage more people into our town and then highlights more of the, the possibilities and opportunities that exist uh, to in, to continue engaging more people, right? I mean, if, I remember hearing the story one time about a bike line. They said, well, th- there's no need for this bike lane. No one's riding bike to this place. And, and the quick answer was because there's no bike lane. Right. Right. So right. if there's not a large group of people in wheelchairs going downtown, it's because there's not a way to do it without a bunch of work and a lot of, a lot of stuff that becomes frustrating. And so it's how do we just, we, we can't pave the entire way, but we can, we can put the first shovel in the ground mm-hmm. and do the first scoop and say, okay, let's everyone keep shoveling and moving and, and building as we go forward and, and let's start finding all the ways and let's celebrate those ways and not worry about the ways that we can't access our city, but how about all the ways we can? And if other people decided, hey, how do we get that customer base into our organization? We would love to talk to you about that. Sometimes you need to create a solution to uh, a situation that isn't perceived as a problem yet by most people, even though it is, but yeah. people just don't realize it. Yeah, it's just not understood, right? I mean, uh, so through this, um, through the, our involvement with Access Our City, we had, we had challenged a classroom at WWTC last, uh, last um, year, this class was going to help us build a mobile website where we could start doing the accessibility rating. And we took a, a class of, of 12 kids, and we put them out in six wheelchairs, one being a caregiver, one being a, a patient, and they had to go access our city for, for a couple hours. Wow. And so they, they started learning that, wait, you know, this one-inch lip to get into a door is, is much more than just a one-inch lip. That's a really big barrier. Um, and they didn't understand that. So they started, they, they did go to restaurants where it was too tall of a table or too short of a table, or um, they learned some of the dangers in our crosswalks with, with different things that are there. And, and so then they came back and we challenged them. So now with this information, and you're trying to go out and do this with your spouse, um, and at one point they had to switch, you know, caregiver and, and stuff like that. And sure. so then they came up with a mobile website for us. It's on a GIS, so it's a Google Systems, and it can be expanded instantly. So if my wife and I were in Chicago, we could put an accessibility rating on a restaurant there even, and it would automatically show up within this map as well if you're in those areas. So, um, so there was that idea that, like, you, you're at home, and you've just come one. There was one soldier there that um, had done a couple tours of Afghanistan. I said, so now you've come home from Afghanistan, and you're in a wheelchair, and you want to go have pizza downtown. How would you build those, like, uh, I kind of look at it as like an eBay, right? I'm going to get a, I want a, I want an orange rain jacket. So I put in raincoat, 2XL, orange, uh, lined or not lined, whatever, right? Then all of a sudden the ones that I can buy are come up. 
in that same sense, now say that you want pizza in your power wheelchair. How would that look? I'm wondering what was... What were some of the uh, revelations that they had, just the realization of what people go through? I'm, I'm interested to know what they said, what they learned. Two of the things that I think that they found the most, like, wow, just did not even realize. Uh, one was that uh, many of the places that have a crosswalk button, that crosswalk button isn't elevated from the sidewalk, so you have to wheel up to it at an elevated level. So you've got to wheel a little bit up. Even if it's only a couple inches, you've got to go up to it rather than just push over. And when you take your hand off your wheelchair, if you're not experienced in this and not has spent a lot of time, so you're new at this, um, that when you take your hands off your wheelchair, if you don't quick lock your wheels first and you've, you've rolled up a couple inches to press that button, the wheelchairs would turn around backwards and would want to flip backwards into the street. Hmm. So, so those little things, uh, the, the, the crack in the sidewalk that doesn't look very big, but it's big enough to swallow a wheelchair tire. And, and, and you know, and it's maybe only an inch and a half wide, but if you've got a, a, a manual wheelchair, that might be wider than your wheel. And so then if you've got a person that is already somewhat disabled in strength and muscular neurological tone, and they've got a wheel that's stuck into a one and a half inch crack in the, in the sidewalk, that person just can't get out of their chair and move their chair, right, and then get back into it. They have to have someone that's able to get them out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so some of those little things that uh, even like as you're coming off of a crosswalk, off of a sidewalk, and the very first thing at the bottom of the crosswalk is, is a hole in the road, right? There's, so how does one cross that road then? Uh, so those, are, I think, were the things that they'd like, oh, you know, I never thought about just it's not difficult just to get into a place but it's difficult to get to the place. I, you know, I think about that. You know, I live on a corner in La Crosse, and so when I'm shoveling in the wintertime, I've got to shovel the ramps that go down, you know, from the sidewalk into the streets. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I think to myself, why do I have to do this? And <laughs> I, I'm sure that's a very common thought. I don't feel proud of having that thought, but oh, no. it, is I mean, really, it becomes really important. You know, it, it, it's, it's, to me, it's one of those things I try not to say, well, why don't people know this? Because, right, we all know what we've had reasons to learn to know, right? There's, there's all kinds of stuff that we don't know about someone else's life. So there's that idea that, that um, you know, to, to accept yourself for the idea that I don't know what I don't know. Um, and I, if, if I learn, then I have a chance to do better, right? Uh, I can tell you stuff that, like, so... I also am in the process of slowly losing my hands and arms. Uh, it's kind of a thing that maybe it'll be another two months, maybe it'll be another 10 years, maybe it won't ever advance, but it's something that is advancing. And so I have times where I type with my eyes. Um, I have times where I drive my wheelchair with my headrest. My headrest has controls to go forward, backward side, raise me up, tilt me, do all kinds of things. But for me to go down a, even a sidewalk, right, so every sidewalk that were the where there's like a, a, a little bit of an elevated sidewalk area. So it's a little bit of a bump, right? Mm -hmm. Every one of those bumps, my head comes off the headrest and bounces forward and backwards, and my chair stops and starts. Oh. So every sidewalk crack creates an obstacle for me even to drive if I'm under headrest. Even the grass that grows up between the sidewalk blocks um, can be enough to bump a head on and off of a headrest as you're going. And so, it, it, again, right, it's, so, it's like, why would I pull the weeds out of my sidewalk? Well, here's an idea why. Hmm. Because 
you know, it could be your loved one or yourself at some point trying to, to get to your own house, and that would be one of the barriers that would keep you from going out. The, the shoveling the end of the sidewalk and trimming the grass from between the cracks, to me, is a practice in mental wellness for those that it's their highway. Right. You know, it's that idea that why, what can we do to make that one block section that you're responsible for a little bit easier for someone that you, you're not sure of what their barriers are? and which that means mental wellness, and they go out and they do engage in their community again. And, right, it's, it's kind of that full, like, you drop a rock and where's the ripple, and then how far does that ripple go out? And to me, that ripple always goes out to mental wellness, and then how does that ripple come back? And that ripple comes back with mental wellness, comes back much better than it does if it just stopped with the sucks. Yeah, I agree. This sucks is never a good place to start. But... It did. It, it had to suck for a while anyway. It's hard to go from running ultra marathons to sitting in a wheelchair. And that got me thinking about perspective. So that is where we'll pick up the conversation with Richard Kriz when we come back on Around River City. This is Around River City. I'm Ken Cooper. By the way, you can stay connected with everything going on in the area when you check out AroundRiverCity.com. So, back to the story. Here's Richard. He runs ultra marathons to challenge himself just to see if he can. And then he's diagnosed with lupus, and eventually he ends up in a wheelchair. Now, I wasn't sure if I should even ask the next question. Can I ask a, a maybe a difficult question? Yeah. Um, is... Is life better today than it was four or five years ago? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I've, I've, uh, I appreciate what I can do. I don't worry about what I can't. Um, I still enjoy doing lots of things. I, I, I'm probably one of the very. So let me back up this a little bit. So you know, there's. I've always wanted to be involved in certain conversations, but I never quite figure out how to get into them, but I, maybe because I didn't really know what conversations I wanted or needed to be in, maybe even, right? So with Access Our City, which came from being in a wheelchair, which came to then we got to spend this really cool time with these students and engage them in these, this thinking before they go off into their world. Um, from that, um, I was asked to be on the Citizens with Disability Advisory Board for the City of La Crosse. So now I'm an advisor to the city on, on accessibility. So that's a plus, right? I get to I get to be part of those big conversations in our city to the point even that Renee and I, my wife and I, Renee, um, we were asked to consult for this on behalf of the city to the city's consulting firm that they hired for Imagine 2040 Lacrosse. So for the next 20 years, what will Lacrosse look like? And that idea that we got to be part of that conversation from an accessibility standpoint. Right. And so that idea of that, that, that's a huge improvement in my life to be able to say that 20 years from now, someone's going to be wheeling around the city and there's going to be something that was easier for them. And I got to be part of that. That's incredibly, um, that's incredibly important to me. And it's, a, it's something that would have never been there for me prior to this. Um, I, can, I, I have, through the learning process, I have engaged myself into cooking um, which people say you're cooking and you have weaker arms. Yeah, but you know what? I, I, I bake bread. I, I grill and smoke most almost every night something. Um, 
but I have learned to through my through all these processes and things that have happened and things that have positively happened from this is given me the like the encouragement to to try things and to say that you know how do you know if you can't do it if you don't try right and so it it is it, it has forced me to engage in things that I otherwise would not have done and not and would not have found maybe some of my strengths in life and how do they apply to other things um, this time, this, these, these things that have happened has found me in front of schools, in front of classrooms and kids, of, of, and get to talk to them about character strengths rather than you're not a runner, you're not a writer, you're not a, a ballerina, you're, not, you're none of those things. You were not born with doing any of those things right away. But over time, we build up our character strengths, and these are how we use them. So you get to talk to students about mental wellness of don't, if you lose something, remember that's not who you were. It's your character strengths that defined how you did that. Go back to your resilience and your kindness and your compassion and your grit and, and say, that's who I am, and I can use these anyway. So that chance that you get to talk to other people and maybe help them save a few steps if something happens, right, where that, there's that little hashtag of, of character strengths in their head rather than I'm a runner. And so when they stop being a runner, they don't get lost on the whole idea that I've lost my identity because your identity was shown by your character strengths, not, you know, it's how you did it because of who you are. Um, so, you know, to get into those circumstances and get to have those conversations with, with students and, and youth and, and, and see the light bulbs go on a little bit, it's, it's a far better life than I was living when I was running. Um, it's a far better life that I'm living than when I was working full-time. Um, absolutely. I'm more willing to, to fail at something now than I was before um, because what, what do I have to lose, right? I'm already not doing it, right? <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I, I think I've become a better person from it. I think I am a better person from it, and I think that um, I view life completely differently than I did 10, 11 years ago with my initial diagnosis. And I think I view it in a much better way. You know, it that is an interesting perspective on on life that you've got. It's you know, come on, life, uh, bring it on. What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you've already you know, my legs have already kind of gone away a little bit. My arms are kind of at times as well. But those things again don't define me. It's how I use them that define them. I think Renee deserves to uh, be talked about here. So, oh, absolutely. Renee deserves to be talked about. Uh, you know, was she a crazy runner with you? No, she was not. No, she was not. But she was crazy. She was a crazy supporter of of it. And and when I would do say a twenty four hour or hundred mile race, she would, or fifty mile race, whatever it was, she would be there, and she would meet me at all the checkpoints. You know, where maybe ten miles in they'll have a checkpoint, another ten miles in they'll have a checkpoint where you can check in and you can get some fresh water, some food, uh, maybe check with. Uh, your loved one or a friend that maybe has uh, some extra gear for you to take out in the next section. Uh, she was always there. She was always pushing me, always, you know, encouraging me to keep going and, and supportive. Uh, um, there, there's, uh, I could say that probably none of this would happen without her either, right? There, there's, there's no me in this. There's, there's a we in every bit of this. And, and I would say that Renee generally is the person that even as we consider and have our dreams and our ideas and our conversations, Renee is the person that actually points the spot under the ground so that's where we should put the shovel. 
I want to ask you, what are your checkpoints today? You said she was always there on those runs for those checkpoints, and you still have checkpoints today, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, if if there are barriers in in the way that I choose to enjoy life that are barriers that um, don't need to be there, um, those are those checkpoints, and she's always there to say, okay, here's what we can do. And why don't we do it this way? And then that will remove some of this from you. And because if it, if it makes life a little bit easier for me, it makes life easier for her as well, right? I mean, the, the, the caregiver is probably the harder role in all of this, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's, their life has changed as well, um, but it's added on top of what they were already doing, where my life changed and it's just a new beginning, Right, so I think it's I think it's much harder on her, and I think that her and I try to keep that relationship of of how do we make sure that we're doing the best for ourselves individually, but how do we make sure that in our best for ourselves, we have also thought of the other, and make sure that we're not adding any extra, you know. So the the idea of like even access our city, if you'd want to say the checkpoint, right? The checkpoint is that I maybe can't go to these restaurants anymore because of not sure, right? But it also means that she's not going to them with me, right? So it pulls her out of it as well. And it might have been our favorite place to go, right? So it, it, it affects her on every level as well. And so there's that idea that how do, we, how do we work together and constantly communicate in this way that what I'm doing is, is strengthening you and what you're doing is strengthening me. And in turn, we're also strengthening each other. And now I'm, we're ready to go off and do the next 10-mile section, right? We, we've mm-hmm. checked in with each other. We're both really good about this. We both realize that it's in the better interest of, of both of us and, uh, and then in turn also in the better use of our community. And that puts us both in this common, common goal and ground in what we're doing. And um, I think that has, that has strengthened our relationship as well. We have found also that those... Um, those little things mean more. You know, we always say don't sweat the little things. That's a great phrase, and it's a really good book to read, right? But mm-hmm. in practice, it's not as, as easy as what it sounds like. Yeah. Thank and you for somebody finally admitting that. I'm <laughs> no, but it, I mean, so it's, that's what I tell people, too. I said, you know, I have bad days. Don't, don't, don't think that I don't, right? But I think the difference, what I've learned is I've, I accept my bad days because I know that they have to happen. Right? And, and so I just tell people, don't sit down and decorate the space. Right? Don't get comfortable there. But acknowledge that it is, because if you understand what's bad about it, right, then you'll understand why it's bad, because you understand the good of it, the opposite good. Right? And if you understand the opposite good, there's your blessing. Right? You know that how, how part of this was really good. That's why you understand how bad this part is. Right? So realize that there's still those goods out there. So every time that you're in the bad, sit there, file it. I, I always kind of say, like, I will, if I've got a, a point where, say, my hand isn't working very well, right, and I could get really frustrated and very sad and mad and angry, but the memory is that I've done so much with this hand. And so while I'm sitting here and it's not working, instead of sitting there being focused on the bad of it, I can sit down and think about all the great things that I've accomplished already with my hands. And if I get them back, it's that, it's that idea that don't, don't forget the, the, the blessing. It's, it's a phrase I read once that 
we all know a, a, a toothache is miserable, but we're never grateful when we don't have one. Huh. That's very that's good perspective, right? But in the same sense, I I always try to have keep it real and say, don't tell me the person that has lost a leg and is motivational speaking up in front of an audience doesn't sit in his bathtub and cry at times because they do, right? It, it doesn't mean you can't have a good outlook and still have bad times, right? It's the the bad times that highlights all the good that you've had because it's truly our our ego of of a moment that makes it good or bad, right? And I guess it's not. You know, we like like you say, it's not. We're never going to uh, stop having the tough times. I think that's avoidance, which is unhealthy. It's it's yeah. how you learn to deal with them. Yeah. It's, do you learn to do you learn to sit in it and just say, okay, right, this is happening. But again, don't get comfortable and don't start hanging up artwork there, right? Because right. then you're going to stay there, right. right? So just realize that why is this so bad and. What's the opposite of this? What am I losing in this? And what is what are, you know right? And then you start focusing on all those good things that you've had happen. And boy, you know right? There's if I've have there's it, it's the ability to say what did I hear the other day too? Um, if we can um, have two different thoughts on something, we can be we can, and and I boy I'm I'm ruining this one, <laughs> but like. Say there's an idea that we we can hate one thing and like another thing at the same time, right? So when we're angry at something, that's fine. Be angry at that, but don't forget that you can also like other things still, right? So you don't get caught up in just the one thing you don't like. Remember, there's other things that are going on in your life right now that are blessings and are very good. And why would we take focus away from those as well? We can look at both of them. Yeah. Hard hard advice. Hard to, like you've said, uh, easier said than done sometimes, but worth it. Worth Absolutely, it. it's it's much it's much easier than said. <laughs> yeah. So tell me again, what can we? And I mean, I guess people like me, who you know, I'm not in a wheelchair. Um, what what can people like me in in and around this area do for access our city, or do for you, or or what 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 do you want to tell us about what it is you're doing? You know. So there, there's many parts to what we're trying to do. The main part is we're absolutely trying to engage more people in our city. Um, so to me, the very first thing there is that uh, if you see someone having a discussion on this, it doesn't mean you have to get involved. Listen and, and just learn, right? Don't even come in with, a, with uh, you know, a way to counterpoint it. Just listen, right? Maybe take some time to understand things that you don't understand, to know things that you don't know uh, when you hear a voice like this talking. Um, if there's someone in the city that wants to be part of this, um, you know, we're always looking for community partners. We're looking for, for financial partners in this so we can have these conversations and, and build them. Um, it's that idea that uh, understand maybe what you're doing could be done in a different way. Um, an example there is, so when I use my eyes to type or my voice to type, there's a system that people get, and it's about eight or $9,000, right, to have the system, but it's not approved. It's something you've got to pay for, right? So a lot of people can't have that. But the very interesting thing about this and how we can look at different things that we're doing and why we're working with UWL and, and, and accessibility and their, their curriculum is that idea that um, so one computer company got into the idea they wanted to get into gaming, and they built their next operating platform based more on gaming. 
And one of the things that they wanted to do is use eye recognition in part of their gaming. So they reached out to that same company for $8,000, and that company came up with a $165 option that plugs into the computer and does everything that those $8,000 systems do. Wow. But it was developed for the idea of gaming. So to the kid that's in or the adult that's in a, a, a computer class right now and is going to come out of this maybe with a gaming focus, realize that what you're doing could have a second application, right? It could be that you develop a gaming thing that has arm sensors that you can do for your, for your running or whatever through your gaming, but how does that work maybe for someone who lives in a small remote town in wintertime and can't get to occupational therapy every week? Can they wear those same sensors at home and sit in front of a game station and do their occupational therapy based on where those sensors are telling them where their arms are so they can start moving them in unison together. And Right? It's those things. It's how do we reimagine what we're doing and that idea that does this have a bigger purpose? I think it's pretty obvious that Richard and Renee have definitely found a bigger purpose with Access Our City and all of the other work that they're doing together. And as a side note, I will absolutely not take my sidewalk or my shoveling for granted anymore. I guess that's perspective, too. I want to say thanks to Richard for the conversation, and thank you for being a part of the conversation. I'm Ken Cooper. This is Around River City.